I did get a couple direct message um, okay. questions. So uh, did you say then uh, life insurance policy proceeds have no inheritance tax, whether in the trust or not? That's correct. Yep. A life insurance passes inheritance tax free in Pennsylvania. Okay. Is, is there any advantage in having investment accounts in a revocable trust? Yes, there could be advantages. Um, I think the top one is that we are able to avoid probate with those investment accounts. Um, so that's usually kind of what we're thinking of. We want to avoid the probate process um, after someone passes away um, for that investment account. That's really something though, uh, there are a lot of different kinds of investment accounts that often have a lot of different bells and whistles. So it's usually something that whenever Julie and I are meeting uh, with someone, we're really taking a look at that specific investment account to figure out the best kind of trust for that account um, and the best planning strategy for that particular kind of investment. Okay. How about the $2 million boundary? Is that, what is the $2 million boundary? Is that, is that a thing? That could have been um, you discussing uh, oh, well. wealth protection planning at our office. That's kind of a soft oh. boundary, if you yes. will. Yeah. So in, in our office, whenever someone calls in for estate planning, um, we typically kind of, as Julie said, a soft boundary is whether someone's estate is um, under 2 million or over 2 million. And that sort of um, determines whether someone is going to be uh, you know, focusing more on uh, tax planning. Um, and maybe we're not quite as concerned about paying for the cost of care if someone's estate is over 2 million um, versus if someone's under 2 million, we're going to be looking a lot more closely at paying for long-term care if needed. So as Julie said, that's a really soft boundary. Um, that's just sort of a starting point for our office in determining what our goals and what our focus is going to be when we're crafting an estate plan. Is there any advantage in having investment accounts in a revocable trust? Yeah, so I, th I think we touched on that. We get to avoid probate. Julie, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I think um, you're correct. You get to avoid probate, which allows it to pass to your um, beneficiaries in a simpler manner. But the other uh, reason that that's really important is we find out that as people age, sometimes they can't continue to make their own decisions. And it's actually easier for your children to take over as an alternate trustee than to use the power of attorney. Now, legally, they should have the same effect. So legally, if I point to my power of attorney financially, mm -hmm. that person should be able to go to the bank and deal with my assets. We just have a lot of problems with those powers of attorneys being accepted later on. Um, it's much easier if you had all of your assets in a revocable living trust or an irrevocable trust. And instead that we're just now having an alternate trustee, a you know, successor trustee take over. Um, so I think that that's you know, really important. The only thing that we often use trusts for is um, when your children receive it upon your death, receiving it within the trust gives them some creditor protection. So Megan talked about the fact that it doesn't do much for you but it does do for your kids. So if we're worried about divorcing spouses, for instance, um, or other creditors, we often will use a revocable trust for investment accounts for that purpose. Great. Oh, and 
I did have another question here. Um, if the trust donor had a will before creating a trust, should there be changes made to the original will? Typically, yes. Um, not always, but typically, yes. So what's going to happen is anything that is um, controlled by that trust is not is the the will is not going to be able to control it. So we don't we don't want documents that um, say different things or seem inconsistent. The other thing is that as long as we have a trust, we want to be using it. And so often, instead of it paying outright to children, even if we didn't put the th the items that we own, the assets that we own in the trust during life, we're going to want them to pay out to that. And so we'd have to update our will to have that happen. Can I sell my home if it's in a trust? Sure, do it all the time. Uh, so that's probably the number one, like if I met with somebody 10 years ago and they set up a trust, um, that's probably the one time that they, they will come back and that they'll, um, will help them through that process. They don't need us to help them, but I see that happening a lot. People downsizing or deciding to move to a community, um, you know, just, I don't know, we're getting maybe six inches of snow some places uh, in the area next, tomorrow. And uh, maybe after shoveling the snow, you'll decide you want to downsize and don't want to do that anymore. But um, absolutely. So even whether it's a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust that we use for nursing home care, where you remain um, the trustee, you are able to sell your house without talking to anybody else, without getting anybody else's signature. Um, and it's no different really then you selling it when it was in your own name. What does it cost to set up a trust for assets less than $1 million? Well, I have the best attorney answer for that. <laughs> and that is, it depends. Um, I will give you some ranges though, because um, so it really does depend. It's not about the assets that you have. It's about the complexity of your situation. Um, so, and how many, what goals we're trying to do. So that is why at the end of this, we're going to talk about the fact that we offer a free initial consultation for people who come on these webinars and kind of get educated a little bit. Um, and in that free initial consultation, um, we would talk to people about their specific situation and quote them a flat fee. But what I can tell you is that we think about um, powers of attorneys and wills, um, those things are less expensive. So a power of attorney, you know, might be uh, two or $300. When we get into trust, we are getting into more expensive um, investments for us. And part of that is um, we want a trust that's going to work with us. We have to draft the trust and then we have to fund the trust and make sure all your assets, like your life insurance and your uh, deed your house all got into that. So we worked together for about six months. So it would not be unusual that if we were doing trust work, that we would quote you a fee that was in the thousands of dollars. Um, and that's, you know, it would, where that lands really depends. Do you have children who have special needs? Are we just worried about protecting a farm? Are we worried about protecting multiple assets? Are we going to use one trust or two trusts or three trusts? Um, and so, you know, again, trying to be as helpful as I can to you, but not being able to say to you um, exactly what it would cost. I can tell you, I've been in situations where people who have more money, I actually quoted less 
because it was less complicated. So um, it's not necessarily a, a money issue. <clears throat> so All right. are we good? What the questions keep coming here. Okay. Yeah. We no, gotta, that's all right. Okay. This is their time. Yep. Uh, have you ever crossed the bridge of cashing out a large IRA greater than 500000 to plan for nursing home protection? Yes. Yes, we have. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, you can cash out an IRA, so we look at your individual situation, but I have been in situations where that made sense. Um, it made sense for people to cash out, pay the tax, um, and then fund a trust. Um, particularly makes it, and to do that all in one year, um, it particularly makes sense to do that if you have a diagnosis, like a new dementia or Alzheimer's diagnosis. Um, I've also had people who um, do that over a series of years to reduce, you know, the taxation. So maybe I just, we just did one where we were doing part of the IRA in 2022, and we're going to do the rest of the IRA in 2023, just to minimize the taxes a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, we definitely do that type of planning. And we have people who often just want to make sure that um, whatever it was that they, uh, the protection, the five-year rule, they just want to get it started. And so we absolutely can do that. We like to do that in, in consultation with your accountant so we can figure out what how this is going to affect you from an income tax standpoint, um, kind of specifically, not just, you know, you know, here's your usual rate. We also have to know that um, that can cause your Medicare um, Part B premium to increase for a year. Uh, sometimes we will still do that. So we, we like to make sure people understand the ramifications, but I would say it makes sense for some people and we do do it. And uh, then just to clarify retirement accounts, they cannot be placed into irrevocable, but can be in revocable, correct? Yes. So a retirement account, whether it's an IRA, 401k, those types of things, they can be placed into any type of trust. But the reason that we don't is that it's a taxable event. So that other question about the $500,000 IRA, if I was going to put that into uh, a trust, I'd have to cash it out first, pay all the tax on it and put the remainder in. Now, if you had a Roth IRA, that can be different. We, can, we are able to do that. Um, but that's why um, when Megan said we don't do that, that's why we don't because you can't do it without a taxable event. Now that's different than when people pass away. If somebody passes away, um, it can go into a trust as an inheritance. And it would have, you could avoid probate by yeah. trust? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And if you sell a house that is in a trust, are you required to put the proceeds from the sale into the trust? Um, uh, yes. <laughs> Kind of depends on what the trust says. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does depend on what the trust says. But in most situations where you've set up a trust that protects the cost from the, the, the cost of long-term care to be able to access Medicaid, you're going to want to put the proceeds back into the trust. Um, and the reason is because that keeps that protection if I pull them out. Now, in reality, what happens is many times people might be downsizing, selling one house, the proceeds go back into the trust, but then they use those proceeds to buy another house in another location, or maybe it's a townhouse with, 
you know, that's care and maintenance, those types of things. We also have situations where people will sell their house and want to either gift some money out to kids or hold on to that some money themselves. Um, one time I've had a man who wanted to buy himself a truck. Um, you are able to do that. You just have to, like Megan said, depending on what the trust says, we'd have to follow the formalities of the trust. So let's say in that situation, your kids were the trust protectors. So like in my situation, I have three kids um, that say that they were my trust protectors. Um, they would have to sign um, saying, yes, they agreed with this. One of those kids would get in, pull it out to themselves, and then give it back to me to buy the truck. Um, so we do that um, often. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say often. What I We sell houses often. It is not often that people actually want to pull money out of their trust because usually when we do this planning, people have money inside the trust and they have money outside the trust. And even though they're able to pull money out of the trust, if they sit down and talk to me about it, it, they realize it makes more sense not to pull that money out, um, but rather use the money that's outside the trust uh, for whatever it is that they want. <clears throat> Do you advise on uh, pros and cons of which state to establish the trust in, for example, Pennsylvania versus Florida versus South Dakota? Um, we do advise on that, although I would tell you the majority of trusts that we do end up being Pennsylvania trusts. So um, South Dakota being in there means to me that that person's looking for um, some creditor protection. And there are some advantages to a few different states that give better creditor protection. When I've been in that situation, I've actually usually used a Delaware trust rather than a South Dakota trust um, because I like the Delaware law a little better. So that's why. As far as Florida, um, Usually our advice there, it, a lot of times we're establishing trust in Pennsylvania, putting real estate in it, that makes it a Pennsylvania trust. Mm -hmm. um, now, if we just have assets, um, we could do a Florida trust um, and our office actually could do that because we have a Florida attorney, Jenna Franks, but usually that does not happen because there's nothing advantageous of Florida law over Pennsylvania law. And if you're already a Pennsylvania resident, we should just use a Pennsylvania trust. So in my career, I have done those um, in different states and I can talk to people about that, but you would have to really want some creditor protection um, that was unusual. Um, and then you could use South Dakota or an LLC in a different state. Um, but again, I would tend to like the Florida, the Delaware law better than the South Dakota law. Also we're closer to Delaware. So it's easier to get physical presence there. And sometimes you really do need some physical presence. Uh, to establish it. Megan, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think you touched on everything, Julie. Um, as you said, it just because the trust sometimes says it's in a certain state, sometimes there needs to be a little bit more to it, like you said, physical presence. So mm -hmm. um, sometimes those are all factors that we look at when we're looking at different trusts. Yeah. Does a trust need to be in force for a number of years before a nursing home cannot take your assets? What takes precedence, a will or a trust? Yeah, so uh, two different questions there. The first one, um, how long does it need to be in existence? Five years is the best. Um, and I'm gonna talk about that a little bit. Um, what takes precedence? Well, again, it depends because they may control different things. So if something's in a trust, like if I move the deed from your house 
to the trust, the trust takes precedence because it controls anything that's within that trust. Um, so what's going to happen is one doesn't rule over the other. I'm going to look at what's part of your probate estate, and that's what the will controls. And that would be anything that was just in your name, did not have a beneficiary. And I'm going to look at what the trust controls, and that's going to be anything that the trust is the beneficiary or the trust owned uh, during life. Should the the questions keep coming? Should the beneficiary of the donor's IRA or Roth IRA be the trust and not the children directly? Yeah, so a lot of times I do like uh, the Roth uh, going to the trust. And so a lot of times at our office, this is a little bit more of a complex thing, but um, if we have husband and wife, the first beneficiaries we'll make um, are that trust. Now it's a particular type of trust. So if you already have a trust, you shouldn't go do this without talking to the attorney that did the trust or the financial advisor. They may have a, a, an understanding, but certain types of trust, I wanna make the trust the beneficiary. And then the secondary beneficiary, I wanna make the spouse. Mm -hmm. And then the third might be the children. And why would I want to do that? Well, we already said we can't take the IRA and put it into a trust without paying a huge tax. So let's take my situation. So my husband's name is Donald. Um, he has an IRA. Um, if he were to pass away, it would go to me through the trust. And I would want to do that if I was sick, if I thought I was going to need care. Or when he dies, I get to choose and say, no, I'm not sick and I need this money to live off of. Um, and so I'm going to have the trust disclaim, which I have the power to do. And then it's going to come down to me. And so we set that up all the time for people. And what happens is we really decide when somebody passes away um, where it goes. So just so you guys know, you know, when I first became an attorney, that was always kind of the problem. We didn't have as much flexibility back then. And so it was just like, um, if you can tell me when you're going to die and what of, I can make a great estate plan, you know, what the law is going to be. Uh, but as the law changed, uh, we kept having to change it. Today, we really try to set up a plan that does not need to be changed, even if you get sick or the law changes. Um, we try to set up a plan that has choices to spouses upon the first spouse's death. Um, and now that doesn't work in every family situation, but in many family situations, it does. What section of our revocable trust would we find what all we have in our trust? Like, for example, house investments. Yeah. So um, if you're if you got your trust at our office. Um, it's not going to be a part of any section of the trust. Rather, it's going to be on what we call the asset list. So if you wanted to know, you would call our office and ask for a copy of the asset list. Um, some law offices will do a, just a simple schedule at the end that just lists the assets. So there could be a schedule in the back that would also show you that. But I have to tell you, sometimes those schedules are misleading because just simply putting it on a schedule does not put it in the trust. So if you have a trust in it on the schedule, it says your Edward Jones account, for instance, is in the trust. But when you get your Edward Jones statement, it says you still own it, it's not in the trust. Pennsylvania law does not allow that to happen. You actually have to change the ownership. So you would have remembered going through a, a situation where you 
opening a new account, signing paperwork for that to happen. Can you put a property you own in another country into a PA trust? Depends on the country. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so we've done all kinds of different countries. Um, most times though, I'm gonna tell you that they would be controlled by the country that we're dealing with. So I'll just use Canada for an example. So Canada has different laws. Like when you pass away, um, there's a tax due that we that we don't have in, in the US because we get what's called a step up in basis. So in Canada, when somebody dies, if they bought like a cabin, let's say for $100,000, and when they die, that cabin's worth $175,000, they have to pay tax on the $75,000. So the, the growth of that. So, um, so I could put it in a Pennsylvania trust. However, I am not going to be avoiding that Canada law. Um, I'm still going to have to do that. Um, there are some countries where it really makes sense to put it into a Pennsylvania trust so you can get access to it easier. Um, and that has to do with their laws. But we have to look into country by country um, to figure that out. Over the years, I've done a lot of different countries. Um, to be honest with you, most of that uh, came from um, positions that I represented from Geisinger, to be honest. Um, I, I looked into a lot of different countries over there. So it would depend on the country that we're dealing with. Um, but yes, it is possible. Okay. And uh, then last question here, and then uh, we'll, we'll move on here. If, if you are married and do not put your home in a trust, or if you are married and do not put your home in trust, can a nursing home take part of your home for the expenses? Yeah, so what, what happens there is, let's say husband and wife own the, own the um, house together. Let's say husband goes into the nursing home. Um, they will not take that house right there and right then from the spouse. That is protected. But at our office, um, we would want to do something to protect it because if the spouse at home, so let's say the wife at home passes away, that deed is going to have the person that's at the nursing home inherit it. And then it's going to be used mostly for the cost of care at $12,000 a month. The other thing that happens all the time is, and this is a change in the law. So there used to be a lot more spousal protections in Pennsylvania. You know, when I was a young attorney, um, there were spousal protections and now they've kind of eroded. And this is one of the things that has changed, which is why spouses really have to protect themselves. So let's say again, husband's in the nursing home, wife's at home, and she decides that she needs to sell the home. Too much upkeep. I'll tell you right now, my husband's in a nursing home. I'm selling our house. Too much upkeep. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I just my son going off to college, I've already realized like this is too much. Um, but anyways, so if I sell the home, um, what happens now is the state's going to come in and say some of the proceeds from the sale of that home have to go towards his care. Well, that's really bad for a spouse because what if I'm going to buy another home that might be smaller it might be more convenient to take care of, but it might not be less expensive. Or let's say I am not gonna um, buy another home. I'm gonna go into an assisted living or personal care and the cost of that is five or $6,000 a month. I really need that extra money for that extra expense or I'm gonna rent someplace. And so 
What's happened is if a spouse decides to sell, um, the state is coming in and taking, allocating some of that money from the sale to the spouse that's at the nursing home, which didn't used to be the law. So, <clears throat> and if you do nothing, um, both spouses die, the state does, it comes in with what we call recovery. So they'll come in after both spouses die and um, take whatever was paid to the care. That's why we often put houses in trusts to protect against all of that.